we have this cross situated in the front of our sanctuary, not as a beautiful decoration, but as a symbol, as a reminder. It's what took place on a cross like that one a long time ago when one man, Jesus of Nazareth, was crucified on that cross. The Son of God. The only man who's never sinned, unlike all of us who are here this morning, never sinned. He went to the cross because of his great love for us, knowing that only through his death would we be able to be forgiven. He knew our great need for forgiveness. He made us. He's seen every in and out of our lives. He's seen all the activity of our minds and of our bodies. He knows all of our relationships. He knows everything that we've done, and he knew that the only thing that would help us, the only thing that would save us, would be for him as the sinless one to go to the cross so that the justice of God, because God is just, he is perfect, so that the justice of God would be satisfied when his blood was shed and he died on the cross. And so this cross reminds us of that cross and that we stand not because of good things that we've done, but because of the great things that Christ has done, because of who he is. That's what it means to be saved by faith. We believe that about him, and because of our belief in him, he saves us. He makes us right. He makes us righteous. We're not here this morning to celebrate our righteousness in ourselves. We're here this morning to celebrate our righteousness in Christ, that he has made us the righteousness of God. And so we praise him for what he's done, and we praise him for what he's doing in every person who will put their trust in him. If that's not you this morning, if you haven't put your trust in him yet, yet I would encourage you, as, as the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I would implore you, I would beg of you, be reconciled to God. Put your trust in Jesus. He's the one who can forgive you. He's the one who can make you right with God. He's the one who can give you the assurance, the promise, the guarantee of eternal life in Christ. Let's bow together in prayer before we look into God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done for us in Christ. And we thank you for all that you've taught us in your word and what you will teach us and remind us of this morning. We pray that you would take these words and that you would drive them deeply into our hearts and into our minds so that we will not be hearers only of your word, but we will also be doers, bringing you the glory that you deserve in these lives that you've given us. And Father, as we've been singing these songs and thinking about the work of Christ this morning, some of us have have been convicted of our sin, sins that we haven't confessed to you, and we take this moment now to remember the promise that you've made, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just, 
and you will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You will restore us to the fellowship that we had the moment we put our trust in Jesus. So help us now as we silently in our own hearts confess to you those sins, trusting in what you've done for us on the cross. And we thank you for the restoration of that fellowship, and we thank you for the way in that restoration you will feed us this morning from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, believing that what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 15 is true, we're going to look to the Old Testament this morning for some hope, for some encouragement. And I'd encourage you now to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm already there because I had a marker in my Bible. I'm going to give you a second because I know that your Bibles don't automatically open to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Although after this morning, maybe they will more. Because we're going to... We're going to read this morning about um, one of the most famous kings of Israel, or excuse me, of Judah. This is in the divided kingdom era, and this king that we're going to look at this morning is one of the most famous, not because we know what he did, but because he has such a cool name. It sounds so great in English, Jehoshaphat. It's, it's actually become a, a slang word, you know, in, uh, in some circles, probably down around where, where John Davidson grew up. Um, John, John, the singer of our song, this, of one of our songs this morning, and I don't know, did you hear when he said, I believe? Did you catch that? You know, what, you know what that reminded me of, John? How you were trained for that as a child, yelling suey so loud um, as, a, as a Razorback fan. Um, and, 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 you know, way to, go, way to go, hogs. You guys did it again after only 20 tries. You did it. And um, way to go. But... A lot of people say jumping Jehoshaphat and things like that, just because it's such a great name. But I want to tell you something. This is a great king. This is a great king. There aren't very, you can't say that about very many of these kings. Out of, the, out of the 21 kings of Judah, only seven or eight can be considered good kings. And, and, and in every case, they're not perfect. There's only one perfect one. That's the Lord Jesus. He's the only perfect king. But Jehoshaphat had a great moment, and we're going to read about it this morning. And I think it fits our moment right now. Look what he says. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, with some of the Munites, came to make war on Jehoshaphat. So this is a, 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 a group of, an, a, an alliance of kingdoms coming together to fight against Judah. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazron Tamar, that is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. What a great moment in Judah. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might 
are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O our God, did not did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes against comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Did you hear that line? We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and a descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Did you hear that? For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge of the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down to worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korathites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah, and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of of the army. Did you catch that? Did you hear who was at the head of the army? 
the singers, the praisers, those giving thanksgiving. Give thanks to the Lord. This is what they're saying at the head of the army. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Barakah to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lutes and trumpets. The fear of God came upon all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard about how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. Paul said in Romans 15 that that was written down for us so that when we read it, when we hear about this king Jehoshaphat, that we might have hope. And this morning, we're, we're still in a very, very strange and weird and scary time. I mean, we keep thinking it's going you know, to go away. All of the stuff that we're dealing with is going to go away. And it just doesn't. It just keeps going and going and going. And then when we sort of think, well, maybe, you know, the virus maybe is turning a corner or whatever, then the president and his wife get it. Just as a reminder, it's still out there. It's still happening. People are still getting it every day. And while 99.9 or whatever percent of people don't die from it, because so many people are getting it, still a lot of people are dying from it. We keep thinking that, our, that maybe at some point our country is going to start coming back together. And then we start looking at history and we remember, you know what? Our country's had trouble being together for a long time. Countries do, especially free countries. Where we're allowed to say what we think. We're allowed to do what we want under the law. And we find ourselves still in conflict maybe not even near to the resolution of it yet. 
And then on top of that, we're all still going through all our stuff, our normal stuff, the stuff that we were going that we were dealing with before March, or that has come up in our family or in our in our lives as individuals since March. That has nothing to do with the conflict of our country. It has nothing to do with the with the crazy virus that's going around everywhere. It just has to do with life. It has to do with this broken world that we live in and these broken lives that the Lord is redeeming, but through difficulty and sometimes sorrow and sometimes pain. And so what do we do in the midst of that? What do we do? How do we face that as we, as we recognize, even though we'd love to celebrate this morning that, hey, everything's okay and everything's great and, and, and we don't have to worry anymore about this stuff. We can't say that. But you know what Jehoshaphat did? In the midst of the difficulty, this battle wasn't won yet for Jehoshaphat when he put those praisers out in the front of his army. He only was told that God was going to win that battle for him. He was only told that. He didn't know that. He was only told that. He believed it, but he didn't know it. It wasn't done yet. There was still an army out there that could easily defeat the army of Judah. Easily. Their numbers were just so great. And as we see from how long it took them to collect the spoils, they had lots of stuff to beat Israel with, or to beat Judah with, excuse me. But you know what Jehoshaphat did? He believed God. That's the very same thing that Abraham did, the one that Jehoshaphat referred to as the friend of God. He believed God. And the word of God says that that was credited to him as righteousness. You see, when we believe God, when we believe in Jesus, that's credited to us as righteousness. We can't stand on our own righteousness. We have to stand on the righteousness of God, and we get that righteousness by believing. Jehoshaphat believed. He believed to the point that he decided to do things a little differently. Actually, not a little differently, a lot differently. Instead of keeping a a praise team back with him and the other generals and, and other officials to sing from a distance, he decided to put the praise team out front where the first arrows were likely to come where the first boulders were likely to come, where the first fiery mess was about to come. He put them out front. How'd you like that, praise team? Wonder what they were thinking. Does he know what he's doing? Our weapons are trumpets and harps and lyres and lutes and voices. Does he know what he's doing? They probably felt a lot like the, the, the generals of Joshua when he was going over the plans to take out Jericho. Do you remember that? You remember that battle plan? We're going to march around the city today. Then tomorrow we're going to march around the city. Then the next day we're going to march around the city. We're going to do that for seven days. And on the seventh day we're going to march around seven times. We're going to blow our trumpets and we're going to win the battle. Huh? We're going to do what? That's our plan? 
Well, if you know that story from Joshua, you know that was a good plan. Well, Jehoshaphat said, we're going to praise the Lord because this battle is not ours. This battle is his. And this is a model for our lives. Oh, the specifics are different. He was was given a direct prophecy from God exactly how this particular day was going to turn out, and he acted on it. Our specifics are different. But we do have specifics. We do have specifics in our lives. We know that if we are believers in Jesus Christ, that we are going to spend eternity with God in his great glory, in the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We know that. And he has promised that in this life, he is going to work out every single thing for our good as he grows us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He's promised that. So, if that's true, and we believe that like Jehoshaphat believed that about the promise that was made to him and his, and his nation, his army, to the point that he wanted to thank God for what he was doing and what he was going to do, that he put his praisers and his thanksgivingers out in front, then we should, as the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 15, then we should take heed to that. We should look at what Jehoshaphat did, and we ought to do the same thing. Regardless of what our circumstances are right now, with regard to COVID, with regard to the crisis of our country, with regard to our health, with regard to our relationships, with regard to our finances, with regard to our jobs, with regard to our teams, with regards to our school, whatever it is we're dealing with, whatever trials and difficulties and obstacles that we're facing, we should look at them in the very same way that Jehoshaphat did and say, this is not our battle, this is the Lord's. And whatever happens out here in this battlefield today, he's going to use that to bring glory to his name as he grows me in my relationship with Christ. Because he is committed to making me and to making you more like Jesus Christ. And he's going to use the circumstances of today, whatever they might be, to accomplish that. And so we can say with confidence, today's going to be a good day. Even in the pain even in the difficulties. Because God's made his promises. God has committed himself to us, to grow us, to make us like Jesus, to use us, to shine for him, that other people might also come to know him and have that same kind of victorious life. And some of you say, well, that doesn't sound like a very victorious life to me if you have to go through tough stuff, you know, in the middle of it. Well, we know the end of the story. We know the end of the story. We know that even if our entire lives get caught up with the tough stuff, and some people's do, 
Some of our brothers and sisters in Christ never have a single temporal, temporary victory, it, it seems. It seems like everything just keeps getting worse and worse and worse until they finally die. And you know what they find out when they die? They find out the truth of what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. When he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day so that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The person who passed away of COVID or or whatever ended up killing their body, that had a very difficult life all the way through without what seemed like ever a single victory, without ever a single, what people would say, answer to prayer. They find out the moment they leave this world, the moment they leave this body and enter into the presence of God, they find out that their light and momentary troubles were just exactly that, light and momentary. And as as Paul put it in Romans chapter 8, they're not even worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Now, I thank God that most of us don't have that experience of never having a good day, what we would call a good day. Most of us don't have that experience. Most of us have plenty of those good days, but there are plenty of those rough days mixed in. And sometimes they're rough seasons, and sometimes they're rough decades. But whatever the length, of the difficulties. The promises of God are still true. And we should do what Jehoshaphat did, and we should praise God anyway. Because he's always worthy. All these things that we've been looking at in 2020, trying to have a 2020 vision of of who God is and and what he's doing in our lives, and, and particularly these things that we've been looking at over these last few weeks in our Sunday morning times together, the work in ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit in our lives, we always have a reason to praise him. Even if all the circumstances aren't lining up just right for us, we still always have a reason to praise him with things that are happening right now. And the things that we don't know how they're going to turn out and the things that we can't figure out, how in the world can that ever turn out to good, to be good? What I've just experienced, how can that ever be good? We're going to find out it can be. We've already had experiences like that. We've already said that about things. And then a week later, a year later, 10 years later, we look back and say, that is amazing. That is, and those amazing things are supposed to remind us that God is still doing amazing things, even in the things that we cannot figure out how he can do something good out of it. He can and he will and he must because he is a faithful God and he always keeps his promises. So we can go ahead and we can praise the Lord. Good days, bad days. We can thank the Lord. Is everything just perfect right now? Probably not. That's not going to stop us. It didn't stop Jehoshaphat. He put those praisers in the front of the army when there was still an army out there. Before they turned on themselves, before the Lord ambushed them, before the Lord caused them to wipe each other out. There was still an army out there. There were still some bad guys out there that aimed to kill everybody that lived in Judah. 
And he says, you know what we're going to do, folks? We're going to praise the Lord. We're going to believe. And we're going to march into that battle trusting that God's promises are true and that he is going to grow us in our faith. And he's going to use every circumstance. And remember, it's not just us. It's also all of us who love God and are called according to his purpose, according to Romans 8, 28. It's every single one of us. It's all different. Every one of us here this morning, we're all going through different stuff. Oh, we're all going through some same stuff, but we're all going through different stuff. But God has the ability to work it all out for the good of all of us who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so, when you think about Jehoshaphat, it's, better, it's more than a cool name. It's a man who understood. It's a man who did the smart, wise, God-honoring thing in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of trial, in the midst of struggle. He praised the Lord. He thanked God for who God is and what God has done and what God has promised to do. And that is what we should do and who we should be. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we have no idea what people have gone through to get Second Chronicles chapter 20 to us in English or whatever language we're reading it in this morning. We have no idea. But this message is so important that you saw to it that even at the cost of people's lives, we're able to read it this morning so that we can be encouraged, so that we can have the hope that the Apostle Paul promised in Romans 15 as we read this true story of one of your men, one of your kings, Jehoshaphat. May we be like him. May we believe you so much that we're going to praise you and we're going to thank you first, out in front, even before you bring the solution, even before you work it out to make it good so that we can even see that. We're going to praise you. We're going to thank you. Father, if there are any here or in our service this morning who haven't yet believed, who are still counting on their own righteousness instead of the righteousness of Jesus, give them the courage and the faith to believe this morning. Like Abraham did, like Jehoshaphat did, like all of us who have put our trust in Jesus, help them to believe in what Jesus did for them, that they might receive the same forgiveness that we've, for, that we've received, that they might receive the same relationship that we've received, that they might also be able to live a life of praise and of thanksgiving in the midst of trial and, and difficult circumstances. May you shine through them 
as you shine through those of us who already believe that you would use us as you use Jehoshaphat to encourage others to believe and as a result to bring you the praise and the honor and the glory that only you deserve. But you do deserve it from every single one of us. And so use us to spread this good news, to shine this light, to praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.